everybody and welcome. Welcome to the Words of Women and Wisdom radio show, streaming live from BBS Radio in California and syndicating to over 100 stations globally. And this is a special edition. I'm interviewing an incredible coach, um, fellow coach and master of communications. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation. I'll formally introduce her in just a minute, but I just wanted to say hello and welcome to Jocelyn Herman Satio. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? You are. Where are you calling in from today? I'm actually in New York today. Okay. So back from summer in Paris and That's you right. in New York. <laughs> That's right. It's a really tough life. I'm, I'm really sweating it here. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? The people that I interview generally are women who've risen from some sort of tragedy to triumph and are now out in the world making a big impact. And so part of that impact is about living into their own dreams. And so you are just coming back from Paris. So, you know, that was part of your dream board, right? <laughs> it is. And in fact, we live there part time. So I'm going back uh, in a couple of weeks. So I'm only here for a few weeks. I'm going back and forth. It's a dream come true for sure. Excellent. Well, leading by example. So by way of um, an introduction, if you haven't listened to the words Women and Wisdom Radio Show before, what's it all about? You can tell from my accent, I wasn't born in Canada, where I'm streaming from at the base of the Rocky Mountains in Calgary, Alberta, um, born in London, England. And uh, came over here when I was about 22 with a British education company looking to expand and expanded my own life in the process. More about that a little bit later. Suffice to say, though, I love connecting with other coaches, especially those who have a passion, as I do, for communications. You know, Jocelyn has several best-selling books I'll talk a little bit about. Um, my best-selling book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations, became a bestseller overnight for a reason, because women need to speak up, speak out and ask for what they want and artfully negotiate it, not by using power and force or aggression, but by using their own uh, form of assertion and doing it in a way that connects with people and invites people into the conversation. So this is going to be a great conversation today. So Jocelyn, by way of an introduction, she's a master coach in the art of being unmessable with. And I want to hear the story about how that word popped into your vocabulary, because it's, it's an unusual and very memorable one. She spent the last 30 plus years empowering people both in one-on-one -on -one and in group settings to live the life of their dreams and develop themselves to be unmessable with. And I watched your TED talk earlier on from, I'm not sure exactly what year that was done um, earlier on today. And it was really interesting to see how you craft some of the most complicated things in life into simple words. And mm. What is it that is your dream source, for example, right? So we'll dive into that. So she's raised over $90 million for various not-for-profits over the last 30 years, as well as training others in fundraising. So that's, I think that that is worth repeating, right? $90 million, that's a big number. Um, also in your one-on-one -on -one coaching practice, you work with individuals, executives, companies, uh, different union groups and families to help them to have better communications, to resolve conflict, create their vision, impact performance, satisfaction, fulfillment. And obviously this translates into the results, the outcomes. 
So you are the author of several books. Um, I looked up to see which ones, you know, what were some of the titles? So Peace Promises, 30 Days to a More Peaceful Life, The Promise Effect, um, Create the Life That Wasn't Going to Happen, How to Create a Life That Wasn't Going to Happen Anyway. That's an interesting title too. So you want to be a New York actor, New York Actor's Guide to the Career of Their Dreams and Paying the Rent. And then you also, I think it was back in 1983, you were... A 93. 93. Okay. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for refining that. <laughs> I'm not that old, but I'm getting there. Yeah, in a boy band. So I want to hear this, this story to put things in context um, of, you know, what was it about your upbringing that was helpful in, you know, was there a tragedy to triumph story that you want to share? And how did that shape who you've become today? Well, I think uh, back when I was about nine or 10, my parents decided to get divorced. Mm. And that to me was a tragedy at eight or nine years old. It's like, you know, your whole world kind of comes apart. And Mm. during that time, we were living in California. And my mother was very much the victim of the situation. My father had been having affairs and one was a very public affair. And so, you know, the whole thing was they were separated and they were going to get divorced. Then my mother did a transformative workshop and she came out of that workshop like a force of nature. And it was like, she went in one way and came out another way. And that was my first glimpse of what I call being unmessable with. And what I mean by that, you know, it's not even like being tough or not letting things get to you. It's about being able to create what you want and fulfill on it, create it, fulfill on it, create it and not get hooked into the world of reaction. That's what I mean by being unmessable with, right? So she started just being that kind of human being. And then a year later, my dad did the same workshop and they got back together Mm -hmm. and they just celebrated 65 years together. In fact, my father's 90th birthday is this week and my mother is 92. And because of the tools of transformation, I have the life I have, I have the family I have. And at 11, I was, I had the privilege of being able to do the kids version of that transformative workshop. So that had a big impact on my life because I grew up for the most part of my life. I mean, it's now 45 years later. uh, I grew up in the language of transformation in the vocabulary of what's possible. Right. So flash forward, you know, when I was in my early, early twenties, I had had a dream when I was little, like four years old to be a singer And I was like, that was all I wanted to do. And I would sing for anybody who would listen, my dog, my stuffed animals, you know, anybody who was a captive audience. And I, at five, realized, and in fact, you can see the painting behind me. That's my father's painting. He's he's an artist. And he had been a painter and he had stopped painting. And I noticed at five and I said to him, how come you stopped painting? And he said, well, you can't do your art as your career. So in that moment at five, I decided, oh, okay. And it wasn't like a big tragedy or anything. But for me, I decided, okay, I won't be doing that because you can't do that. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, started thinking I'll be a business person. I'll be a lawyer or something, whatever. And, you know, when you make a decision, 
all of a sudden it becomes like a lens that you see everything through. So I was seeing all my friends who were starving artists as a teenager. And I was like, I certainly don't want to be that. So I'm certainly not going to be an artist. So I was in this transformative workshop and this is right before my brother passed away. My brother died of AIDS, which was definitely a tragedy. Yes. He died of AIDS back in 1990. And, um, I was in this workshop and I realized that maybe that wasn't the truth that you don't do your art as your career. Maybe it was a decision I made when I was little and I got stuck with it. So it sort of loosened its grip. And then I went to the hospital to visit my brother who was, you know, at this point, it was, you know, towards the end. And I said to him, you know, I'm really afraid you're going to die. You know, I was. And he said, I am going to die. He said, I'm not afraid. I've had a great life. He said, but, you know, you have to look at your life and determine what you're waiting for someday for, because Mm -hmm. there is no someday. And I was like, well, I'm not really waiting for someday. And he goes, yeah, you are. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you're singing. And I heard myself immediately go, well, someday I'll be a singer. And then I heard myself, right? I like caught it, caught the dog while it was barking. And he goes, that's what I'm talking about. And then he, he passed. And three months later, I got a record deal. Woo-hoo! Yeah. And it was a miracle. It was in, it was in the UK too. We were, we recorded the whole thing in the UK. So maybe you were still living there. I don't know. Uh, it was in 1990, basically. 1990. Uh, no, I was already in ca- Canada. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that and then, record then, went number one. I was going to say, I heard it went to number one and Whitney Houston was off the charts. <laughs> Yes, we knocked her out of that number one spot. She was there for a long time, though, granted, with I Will Always Love You. We were the next number one. And it was number one in Canada and the U.S. and Japan. And we, we traveled the world. It was a real dream come true. And in that like process of having my dream fulfilled and realizing there was no someday, I became on a mission to empower other people to fulfill their dreams and develop this muscle of being able to create and fulfill, which mm-hmm. is what I call being unmessable with. Excellent. So today our topic is talking about overwhelm. Overwhelm is optional or the art of being unmessable with. And thank you for sharing your story. Um, even though it was a long time ago, uh, my condolences around the loss of your brother. These things don't yes. go away. Um, they just become a little more faded. Um, and uh, I had somebody on uh, the show a couple of months ago who was um, a grief counselor and we talked quite a lot about that topic. My dad was in the war, uh, came back from World War II, took a bullet in Dunkirk, and was a very came across as a very angry man. And at age 11 in England, they had, I don't know if you remember this, um, they had an exam called the 11 plus. So that determined the brainy kids went to grammar school, the, the not so smart kids went to secondary school. And... Uh, I flunked my exam by two marks. So guess what? I was going to secondary school. He got the exam results and uh, remember standing in the hallway as he's ripping open the envelope and he's getting red in the face. His eyes are going black and he screams at me, you failed. You will never, ever be successful in life. And he stormed out, ripped up the results. Well, I'm 11, just about to go into high school. Um, so what happened was he had already pretty much diminished my mom because of his criticism with his anger and not being treated for PTSD. She had lost her voice 
in the relationship and in her dignity. And I ended up going into high school losing my voice too. So interesting that as I interesting that you're having this coughing. Yes, exactly. It might not be complete. We want to get that complete for you. I'm getting this lump in my throat. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting uh, getting jammed up. So these these experiences, I mean, I put a shield, an emotional shield up on that for well, till I was about 45, carried that around um, to, you know, avoid being harmed by someone else's words again. And then realized after doing again, you know, 20 plus years of transformational work that I was uh, not only carrying around that shield, keeping people out, but I was keeping myself small behind the shield. So it was time to come out and do some bigger work. So, you know, thanks to Harvecker, Jack Canfield, you know, all of the the great transformational um, mentors in my life too. So overwhelm unmessable with. So you toured the world you uh, had the life of the pop star. And then how did you transition that into business coaching? Well, I had at the same time as I got the record deal, I was already uh, leading transformative seminars. So at 19, I started leading seminars because I love transformation so much. It had been such a part of my life. I did want to circle back to something you said, though, because for me, the thing that my dad said when I was five about not doing your art as your career, it wasn't really his words that impacted me. It was what I said. Because my father said a lot of things over the years and I didn't listen to most of it, right? So it's that I told myself, you can't do your art as your career. That was the prison. Mm -hmm. And I really think what I've discovered out of working with, you know, a couple hundred thousand people is it's never what happened, like your father ripping up the thing. It's what you said about that about yourself or life or people, or, you know, I can't trust this or whatever. And that's what messes with people Mm -hmm. is, you know, what we add to what happens. So for me, realizing that I'm the one who said that gives me the power to unsay it. Basically. It's like, you know, you, you have a say over how your life goes and you have a say over how you view yourself, you know, and others and, you know, circumstances and all of that. So at the time that I was getting the record deal and realizing the stream, I was already leading transformative work and I continued to do that because I loved it so much. So I started my company, uh, which was at the originally a management company for actors and recording artists because I wanted to help them fulfill their dreams. But all the while I was leading transformative work. So I worked with landmark. I led the forum and the advanced course for more than 30 years. Uh, and I have since completed at landmark, but I love, I love all the work there. Cause it's, you know, so much a part of who I am and I designed things for them. And, you know, to me, transformation is just part of my life. So I started coaching people way back then at 19 and then started a company to do it specifically for actors. But at the same time, I was coaching people in other areas. And then when I started my nonprofit, I was working with people in the nonprofit sector and like the UNICEF and the UN and right. people who were leaders of projects around the world. So leaders mostly on systemic transformation, which is a little different than personal transformation. It's more about the systems that are underlying the unwanted circumstances. So I mean, it's really been like my whole life. And when I think about it, 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 I go, I've never not been coaching people. You know, it's so funny since I was a teenager, practically. It's it's interesting when we look back and, uh, you know, when I did my um, 
Royal Roads Executive Coach Certification. So that's going back 14 years now and came out with a 4.0. Yes. Um, people said, well, how did the heck did you get a 4.0 in a university course? And it was like, well, it's a passion. It's something I love to do. I cannot not do it. And so, yeah, I got to cook someone I'd only met five minutes before in front of a panel and the uh, the faculty members and 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 that was the that was the mark. Um, yeah, you know, it wasn't a big surprise for me because I I love helping people. Same yeah. thing. Yeah, the transformation. You know, I think about um, all of the various work that I've done over the years, uh, working in in a senior HR roles, working in four countries globally, um, being um, in in eight different startups. One of them made about 12 million, I think, in, in 12 sold for not too shabby. Um, and, uh, you know, we do this work because we're called to it. And, you know, I, I did have a thought at one point about having a deviation to interior design because I'm, really, oh, really? I'm a very visual person. So I like, you know, things to be in order or the color tones to match and things like that. Um, but I was also six months pregnant at the time (laughs) and they only took 60 people into the program. And based on my portfolio that I contributed, I was number 62. So they suggested I go back and take two points. That's what you missed (laughs) the thing at 11 by two points. Look at you. I know. So I did take an art class, but I also realized that, you know what? I think maybe now is not the timing to do this because, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of hours. I'm going to have, you know, my first child. And as it turned out, uh, universe blessed me with wisdom. Then it wasn't the right move because I, he ended up being a special needs kid. Mm. And uh, so, you know, the, the amount of effort and energy of work that is normally involved in parenting and babies got, uh, you know, quadrupled by having four surgeries before he was five and in and out of the hospital. And, you know, that's a, that's a whole other story, but suffice to say that when we, when we love seeing something that isn't working turned through one or two wisdom nuggets into something that is just smooth. Singing, right? Yeah. Like the radio dial, you know, it's either sounding <laughs> static and then, you know, a little bit of a tweak, a little bit, of insight and uh, change up the communications. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, and obviously yeah. I'm not seeing it as well as you are, but you get the point. I so, do get the point. It speaks to me. So listeners, I encourage you to think about, you know, what, what may be in your life have you stopped yourself doing because you had this preconceived idea, you had told yourself something, which actually is preventing you from, stepping fully into your dream from stepping into your passions your strengths and give that some thought make some notes as we're we're having this conversation I mean grab a pen for sure because uh Jocelyn I always invite my guests to bring something uh, a gift and so we're going to be talking about that towards the end of the show so make sure that you've got your pen and paper ready to write things down so continuing with the story what would be some of the highlights of working with companies like the UN doing this transformative work? Well, that was, you know, a trip and a half because I had dreamed about, you know, my whole raison d'etre is peace on the planet. It sounds corny, but that's, you know, what everything was designed around. And even my grandfather who died at 105, at 100, he was interviewed by the New York Times and, you know, his whole message was about peace. And I could cry thinking about it, It just really was like a hero for me. So 
I was again in transformative workshop, of course. Um, and I was created, it was a, it was a workshop called the actor's workshop for non-actors. So you created your life in three acts and the third act you would never complete. So you didn't have to worry about what you created because it was just more like an open, you know, like you could just create anything because you didn't have to worry about fulfilling on it. So mm-hmm. I created that I would be working on peace uh, in, at the UN. And I had never been to the UN. I live 10 blocks from the UN. And I, I've grown up in New York my whole life and I have never been to the UN, right? But this is like what I created. So then five days later, I'm leading a transformative workshop and somebody comes up to me in the middle of it and he goes, you know, I want to introduce you to my mentor who is, you know, been at the UN for 25 years. <laughs> I said, of course you do, you know, because that's what happens when you're in like that zone of creation. So I met her and a wonderful wonderful woman, incredibly brilliant. Her name is Dr. Monica Sharma. She is again, one of my mentors and she's got a a book called um, radical transformational leadership or like, don't quote me. I think that's what it's called. But in any case, she and I started to co-create a curriculum for nonprofits. So through her, we worked with people at the UN and UNICEF. And then I expanded it to, you know, 20 different country leaders from 20 different countries. And we've done workshops in many different countries, but it's really people who are out to make a sustainable difference rather than like a one-off kind of band-aid on a dam kind of solution. So Mm -hmm. her thinking is all about systems transformation. And I come from the personal transformation world. So we combined Mm -hmm. that to design an initiative that people could design their projects from to create sustainable change. So instead of looking at, oh, let's build wells. Okay. What's the underlying system that perpetuates the water shortage? Because building a well is great, but then you're, it's like a Band-Aid's great if you're bleeding, but if you have a bleeding disorder, you got to deal with the systemic issue right. that's underneath the bleeding. So that's the kind of work that we were able to do. It was really fulfilling. I mean, and the kind of people that I got to meet doing that work and still meet uh, doing that work is, is uh, special people, committed mm-hmm. people, real change makers. Yeah. Well, there are... Um some really special groups out there that are really making a difference, impactful change makers. Um, I'm part of the Evolutionary Business Council, for example, um, Global Change Makers, Transformational Agents, um, the Wide Awakening Group with Jennifer Huff and uh, working with the physics of of flow. Um, When we look at what's underneath it and don't just look at the Band-Aid. Yes. um, You know, that's where real change happens. That's where the real transformation that will be lasting, that will be impactful, um, makes it makes it meaningful. Makes it yeah, impactful. yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> with you, with all of those experiences, um, in terms of sharing with the listeners, what would be maybe four or five top tips that you could share that would help people to step into this bigger, greater vision, because that's the essence of the work that you're doing, right? Is encouraging yeah. people to really step it up, step into the vision. Um, what would what would be the starting point? Well, a lot of people aren't even clear what their vision is. So I would say that's the starting point is to get clear about your vision. And mostly, especially very successful people um, are a lot of times looking down, dealing with what life is throwing at them. And they're very good at reacting 
to what mm-hmm. life is throwing at them. But that's very different than vision and looking up and out at what you're creating. Yeah. So that's the first thing I would do is like take a moment to look up and out at what you really want. What is your vision in whatever area, whether it's in your family or your company or your community or the world or whatever, your finances, your well-being, it could be any area. Mm-hmm. Because until you have a vision at least coalescing, it being unmessable with is sort of not really useful. You know, it's kind of like if you're just going to be reacting, that's sort of what it is to be messable with. Somebody says X and you go Y, you know, it's like pressing B6 on the jukebox and then you react however you react. So once you have your vision clarified and I, you know, I, I have lots of ways to do this with people, but you know, people could just do it on their own. Then I would ask what messes with you and taking the actions to fulfill that vision, because most people, if they do have, their vision clear, they're not doing what needs to happen to fulfill on it consistently. So the work that I do drives up what gets in the way. So it, it surfaces if, you know, if you're not clear about it, you get clear about it because it comes in your face about what's stopping you from taking the actions that will fulfill on whatever that vision or that goal or that dream is. So once you get to what messes with you, there's themes, you know, obviously, limiting beliefs mess with people like, like it did with me, you know, believing that it was true. You couldn't do your art as your career. And a lot of times people don't think of those as limiting beliefs because for them, it's the truth. It's not a belief. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, if, if, if they knew it was a limiting belief, it would not have the grip that it has on them. Right. Thank so you. it's, it's really a blind spot. And I find that that's difficult to see on your own, I, that's why you and I, uh, you know, value coaching so much because a coach can see things you can't see so that you can unleash what there is to unleash. So um, seeing what messes with you is not so easy sometimes because, you know, for you, it could exist as the truth or reality and it might not be. So then what I do is I work with people to dismantle whatever it is that's messing with them and come up with actual actionable strategies to shift from the world of reaction to the world of creation. So once you see, like, let's say, you know, you know that going into certain situations with certain people, you're going to be likely to be messed with, you can be on the lookout for that. So it's like hunting for it rather than being blindsided by it. And if you know that when you get messable with what happens in your body is your stomach gets tight or your chest gets red, you know, the people have different physical symptoms, mm-hmm. you know, of being in a reaction. So if you can identify what those physical things are, it's much easier to catch before you get too far down the road. Cause yeah. once you're in a swirl, forget about it, you know, but if you can catch the tight chest, right. As it starts happening, you can stop, you can shift mm-hmm. gears and start acting from what you're creating versus from the reaction. So yeah. that's sort of a cliff note. Absolutely. Summary. Yeah. It's, it's interesting as you're talking and I'm thinking about, you know, some of the, the content, the references um, in my book, you know, there's 40 different words and word concepts in there to help women in particular to ask for what they want and get it. And one of the things is, you know, job interviews, right? Um, women don't ask for um, the salary they really want. And mm. if they are offered something, they don't ask and push back to find out, is that absolutely the ceiling? Um, so, you know, how do we do, how do we create that energetic confidence, that ability to sit in that question and have the power to remember to 
just a simple thing. Ask. Right? Yeah. So, well, most people are horrible at making requests. I mean, women and men, but they literally don't make mis- requests. They say things like, oh, my neck hurts. Yeah. Like as if that's saying, will you rub my neck? That's not saying, will you rub my neck? And then you get annoyed when the person doesn't rub your neck, but you didn't even ask them to rub your neck. So it's it's like insane. So I do a lot of work training people on how to not only make powerful requests, but people get weird even when people say yes to them, they're like, are you sure? You know, I mean, like you start to like talk people out of stuff. So people are weird when they say yes, when they say no, or when they say maybe, I don't know. Yes, but. So I do a lot of training on what to do when somebody says yes and what to do when somebody says no and what to do when somebody says yes, but, which is a lot what people get. And so that you have power and muscle with it and you're not so weirded out by requests. People are weird about requests. Well, as uh, as as we're both experts in communications, coming at it from you know with different life experiences, obviously. Yes. Um, but I I very often will refer people to you know watch the Amy Cuddy video, like you know get your cortisol level shifting uh, just by standing in the bathroom for a couple of minutes, you know, in in super Superman or Superwoman pose, um, and uh, you know you can put your hands up. Um, but you can also be, you know, having them on your hips, but stand in a pose that will get your energy flowing before you even go into the situation. Cause it makes such a, a massive difference. The other thing is, you know, don't pause in the middle of the sentence because by doing that, you're inviting someone to jump in. So, you know, carry on talking all the way to the end of the sentence and don't necessarily pause until you've finished your complete point. Because if you do, it's like, this you know self-fulfilling prophecy people will see the pause as an opportunity to jump in and then you think oh well of course they jumped in well yeah because you gave them an opening so it's it's interesting how we can play with our communications play with the language play with the concepts um even having a a pre-developed response i call it a power pause so that you're not in those situations reacting you're having the the sentences prepared ahead of time, having your particular flavor of pushback presented so that you don't have that situation where you feel like you've got to answer right away in the moment. You're on the spot. Unless you're a gynecologist, a stockbroker, or a, <laughs> um, you know, a heart surgeon, you really, there, there really are nothing, there really is nothing that is that urgent that you have to respond in the moment that you can't say something along the lines of, hmm, interesting concept i'm gonna think about that and get back to you and then that's it you know end of discussion until you go back and think about what you want to say but there are power pauses we can create ahead of time to manage those conversations a little bit differently and very often people just don't even think about it they're in you know they're into they're in reaction mode yeah yeah so great tips great um, identification that whole piece about the visual clarity so so important because if we don't have that that's what's going to call us forward that's what's going to hold us accountable on the days when we don't necessarily have the high energy and that's what's going to keep us um in conversation with others so that we're not hiding that vision we're asking publicly and asking for support so when you put it out to someone and you say hey i want to be a singer what happens right people the universe 
collaborates to provide. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't even say I want to be a singer. I just started introducing myself as a singer and got a phone call. I, we heard you're a singer. I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> but that's what happens. You know, if you don't share yeah. even beyond making requests, if you just don't share your vision, how do you expect people to show up to support you in it? It's not right. possible. You know, it's like singing in your shower, hoping yeah. they discover you. Yeah. So talk a little bit about this topic we said in the title, you know, overwhelm is optional. So talk about how do you recognize it first off that you're in overwhelm and what do you do about it? Well, a lot of people, you know, whether it's overwhelm or burnout, however you want to call it, it's rampant and it really is a a problem in business because it leads to quiet quitting. It's, you know, hard to retain people. And so I do a lot of work on this because when people, um, especially women, try when they are committed to having it all what that for them most of the time means is doing it all and that's mm. a very big recipe for overwhelm and burnout and it's not the same thing as having it all so circling back to what you're saying about requests in order to have it all you have to get good at making requests and giving things away and empowering people and delegating if you have a team and, you know, just having a team rather than you as an individual, because you as an individual can't have it all. It is not possible, you know, but you as a community, absolutely, it's doable. I do it every day. I have a life like that. And I haven't been overwhelmed. I really don't remember a time I was overwhelmed, but I say to people maybe in 30 years, but I honestly don't remember a time when I was overwhelmed because I deal with everything out here in my calendar, not in my head. Overwhelm only happens in your head. It's not a real thing. If you look, there are certain blocks of time. You have exactly what there is to do, unless you're overlapping things, which is not reality because no two things can exist in the same place at the same time. So I um, have a very powerful relationship to my word, which exists in my calendar. And in fact, I have a whole workshop that I do with people about using your calendar to create your life. Because if you can create your day and create the context for all the content because the context is decisive. And if you're in a context called I'm overwhelmed, I have too much to do. I don't care if I give you two things or 200 things to do, you're going to be overwhelmed because that's the lens that you're viewing your life through is Mm -hmm. I have too much to do. So if you shift that to a context like, you know, what you said about your dream source from the TED Talk, but really just your vision. I mean, if what you really want in life is happiness or joy or self-expression, whatever it is, if that becomes the lens, then you can start to place things inside of that context. Mostly when people are overwhelmed, at least the people that I've worked with over the years, it's because they don't have an overarching context. They are trying to fit different areas and piecemeal and I have to have time for this and balance this and all of that rather than having it all be one thing. So for me, my life is about, you know, having dreams come true and developing people to be unmessable with. That's my whole thing. So whether I'm with my parents or my children or my clients or, you know, a group of 400 people, that's the game I'm playing. So when people can create a game that includes all of their life, including their exercise and their well, all of that, then that's a different story. So one of the things I have people do is in their calendar, write down everything, whether it's showering, checking email, write down everything for two weeks, just write down everything. And before every task, create a context. So if you're going to go work out, okay, why? Creating vitality. Why are you having this, this uh, interview, creating connection, 
you know, so that everything you're doing has a creation underneath it rather than just get stuff done, which leads to overwhelm. Yeah, I actually have a similar tool I developed number of years ago for my um when I was in one of the senior HR roles <clears throat> excuse me um and at the time it was just a simple spreadsheet um looking at you know what is it what's the activity that you're working on right now and how does that contribute to the greater goal um either of you know your role or your KPIs or the department goal the oh, that's great. goal because you know we spend so much of our time in the in the organized you know in the corporate arena in meetings Yes. And, you know, how often are those meetings actually having the right people in them and resulting in um, an, a movable target? And that actually. Well, can- wasn't there, isn't there a company that just did away with meetings? Um, probably there's been several, I think, that have been looking at it. I mean, they started with a stand up meeting to try to, you know, shorten the meeting time. But um, I'm a, you know, I'm a fan of meetings for the right topic. Um, But I also think that if more people had gone into a meeting with a mindset of um, thinking back to David Cooper writer's work, which I talk about a lot in my work, um, appreciative inquiry. So instead of starting the meeting off with, you know, what's not working or what's been the big challenge this week or what went wrong with that client, starting it with, you know, what's working really well, right now and how could it be even better so it's using you know only two out of his four questions but you know that in itself that you know how could it be even better will surface if something hadn't worked well last week but it doesn't right. get people on the spot it doesn't get their backs up they're not defensive so it's a much more collaborative team energy from the beginning of the conversation and it, it just works really well the other thing I would also highlight for women in particular is have that vision and what is success what is that what does that look like for you because if I think about you know as a special needs mom I mean Alex is now 24 uh, 28 but Mm. I tried to compare my definition of success as a female entrepreneur with a special needs child and 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 with someone who's got completely different circumstances they're solo and they're not you know they're not married they have no kids we're not going to be in the same ballpark because our definition of success needs to be very unique and different. Exactly. Totally different. It's very unique to each person. It is. And then that's going to create uh, more, um, more freedom in the schedule. You know, we only have 24 hours in every day you have, I have, that's just the way the world works. So how can you make it be the most impactful that ties back to your success, to your goals, to your vision, to your dreams. And what can you hand off to somebody else? There are things that people do that they don't need to be doing. It's literally something they could give somebody else to do, whether it's vacuuming or laundry or, you know, a part of their job that they don't like doing even, you know? So. I, I think there's such a commonality, Justin, in our thinking around that. Um, very often talking with my clients about, you know, how do you move up from being a solopreneur to a CEO, right? Part of it is a mindset shift. And part totally. of it, is, you know, having interviewed and hired about 6,000 people in my career, um, you know, how do you hire that right person for your team? And when do you hire them so that you really are staying in your genius zone and doing the things that you and only you can do to pull the organization um, forward? 
move it forward and then having other people on your team who absolutely love to do that's right and it's like their dream that fulfills them some people love bookkeeping (laughs) i am not one of those people you know not my thing either (laughs) so you know creating creating jobs for other people um you know is again the underlying that systemic piece that you talked about from for me when my female clients are growing and they're successful and they're hiring their own team usually they're hiring other women and they're paying them at fair wages so you know that whole un gender number five gender equality piece is being fulfilled through the work that i'm doing as well not yes the women be successful but changing the the landscape for fair wages which is really an important piece that you know, if we don't put some focus around that, that's going to be, you know. Yeah. Creating win-win scenarios is important. Crazy. Yeah. So lots of, um, lots of topics around this concept of balance. Now you brought something with you as a gift. Yes. Talk about that. It's a five day. Yeah. It's a, it's a five day program and you'll get emails each day for five days and it's called the promise game challenge. But really the point of it is for you to experience being a creator versus a reactor. So each day there'll be a different promise to fulfill on. And I tell you what the intention is behind the promise and it's light, it's easy. It's not a lot of time. It's just a way to get the juices flowing in terms of creating. Right. And you can get it at giftfromjost, J-O-S-S dot com, giftfromjost.com. Giftfromjost.com. Okay. So make sure that you go check that out. So this is about um, a five-day program, a, a challenge. So you'll get lots of insights coming out of that. It's also a great way to stay in touch. Do you call yourself Joss when you introduce yourself or do you... It, nobody could spell Jocelyn. If I had to do a website that said Jocelyn, my grandmother couldn't spell Jocelyn. So I just do Joss for those things. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about, um, I've mentioned my book a couple of times, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. It is available through Amazon as a um, oh, it's, it's an ebook as a PDF, but it's also a physical book. It's also on audiobook on Awesound, A-W-E-S-O-U-N-D. Um, cool. And it's in my lilting British accent. So you can check that out as well. There's a couple of bonuses with it right now um, on Awesound. And also, I think it's really important to, to share that you know, when women are successful in business, we make such a big impact, such a big ripple. And yes. that effect can be huge specifically for other women, which is one of the reasons why I do this show. So if you're listening to the show right now and thinking, wow, you know, um, I'm in a dip right now. We've all been in dips. Okay. <laughs> We've all been in situations, you know, sitting by a hospital bed, watching your child having a seizure for you know five minutes is is not yeah that that's definitely i've yep i've been there yeah and yet when we apply ourselves there are some really amazing turnarounds that we can create when we have that focus when we have that underlying awareness of you know what are our real gifts what are our talents what is it that we want to share with the world magic can be created and consciousness will recognize that and create if you create a vacuum by getting rid of some stuff in your life that's not working then in that vacuum the 
consciousness will step in to start filling it with the juicy things that do bring you joy and it makes a difference. So if you want to keep in touch with um, Jocelyn, get a gift from joss.com, get that started today and get involved with that challenge. If you'd like to learn more about the book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations, you can do that. Connect with me either through LinkedIn or you can hop on my website, yvonsilver.com and learn more about what I'm up to. Um, There are some events coming up this fall that are specifically for women who wanting to get promoted this fall because this is the time of year where a lot of uh, organizations are doing salary reviews they're doing career reviews you're having those conversations naturally what have you been up to and where do you want to go next and creating the conversation because it's not always handed to you it's up to you to be the leader of your own career the leader of your life as you know Jocelyn has been talking about so let's create the opportunity to have have <clears throat> excuse me to have that conversation around you know what is the more expansive role that you want what is it that you want to be promoted into and it might not necessarily be a a senior manager role depending on where you're at with your family what you're looking for in life and does the salary difference from where you are as a senior expert Does that warrant what you're being asked to do? So that's another topic. So just to bring things to a close, um, it's been great, Jocelyn, to be hearing more about your story, about the various activities you've been involved with, about the successes you've had through the years, and how you've changed your own conversation in your head by putting things in a different light, by looking at those beliefs um, and questioning whether or not that is in fact reality. And then how do you help other people to also do that work? Putting the focus on the vision, that part I think is, you know, fairly, that's what coaches do. And yet the unique way that you're bringing that to life and then diving deeper to help people to really tap into, you know, what is their potential and and reaching their maximum potential, I think is going to be something people want to explore more with you. So giftfromjust.com. Let's reconnect with the next edition of the Words, Women and Wisdom radio show. It is every two weeks on bbsradio.com on station one. And if you have questions that are coming up where you're thinking, you know, this would be a really interesting conversation, uh, reach out to uh, Jocelyn, reach out to myself. Let's have that conversation. Let's see what we can shift in terms of your focus, your energy, and most importantly, the transformational results that you really deserve to have in the world. Jocelyn, any final thoughts on tips or ideas or concepts, things we haven't talked about yet? That I have so, so many free resources on my website from, you know, videos and interviews and workbooks. And so I just, you know, if somebody goes on there and just starts to explore, I'm sure they'll find something that will resonate with them, whether it's about fulfilling dreams or dealing with overwhelm or burnout or, you know, being able to actually develop your muscle to be unmessable with. That's my commitment is that people realize they can be someone who stays in the world of creation. They don't have to get reactivated. People mostly think, well, I'll just have to like deal with my reactions. No, you don't. You could actually transform the whole thing and be unhookable. Yes. I like that unhookable word. And as you were uh, coming onto the show, I was thinking, you know, 
unmessable with. It's kind of an unusual word. How did that spark? Like, how did you tap into that word in particular? I was in my early 20s again, and a mentor of mine said on a call, I was on a call with a lot of people, one of our meetings, and uh, he said to somebody, you know, you're just so messable with. And I heard that word and I was like, that's what I'm after, the unmessable with. That's what I've been trying to put a word to since I saw my mother come out of that program when I was like 10 or 11. That's the space of magic. You know, of being someone who no matter what life throws at you, no matter what circumstance, whether you're with your child at a hospital bed or you're, you know, with in a business meeting in a boardroom, you know, that you're able to fulfill on and speak from your vision and not go down for the count and not get hooked. Absolutely. So my word is flourish. And I had a um, spoken with a real estate group um, last week and the uh, lady and I had a conversation oh, probably 10, 15 years ago with um, with that word flourish, which was part of my um, part of my outline back then and have since evolved that into my flourish program. But she said just that one word, right? Yes. Communications. Just that one word is something that I latched onto because it's so expansive and joy filled and yes. opens up possibilities Um that I've used that word in so many team meetings in different situations when there really is a need for massive expansion. And so for me, when people say, so what do you do? Well, it's about women entrepreneurs who are seeking to flourish and that's Mm. it. You know, it doesn't need to be any more than that. Exactly. Um, If you don't want to flourish, then, you know, you're probably not. Exactly. (laughs) Not everybody likes to play basketball. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's been a uh, it's been a real pleasure to uh, learn more about you, your work, some of your concepts, some of the results and transformations that you're making in the world. Thank you so much for joining me today, for sharing your insights and wisdom. And I look forward to um, maybe I'll take the challenge myself, have a look at this this week and see what this week uh, is bringing. Um, but certainly want to encourage stay in touch, stay in touch with Jocelyn, stay in touch with myself. And let's see what we can do collectively to shift positive transformation on the planet by having more focus, stepping into your dreams and really living life to the full, which is, as I describe, it's about flourishing. So thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, let's keep in touch. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And listeners, stay in touch. Stay tuned for another edition of the Words, Women and Wisdom radio show coming up live on BBS Radio Station One. And uh, stay connected on LinkedIn and then you'll see the adverts for who's coming up on the show because I always have interesting and insightful conversations with my guests. Thank you today for joining me, Jocelyn. And bye. Thank you. Ladies, a new book is on the horizon. Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. This new book is for women ready to rediscover their inner confidence, take a stand for themselves in life and business by using more powerful language. Words are so powerful and already changed history. On October 5th, The New York Times published a story detailing decades of allegations of sexual harassment against film producer Harvey Weinstein. And numerous women in the entertainment industry found the courage 
to go public, banding together with a powerful voice that change is long overdue. Even Oprah Winfrey, television network icon, gave a rousing speech at the Golden Globe Awards in January. The media has showcased the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. The Me Too movement is flourishing and all signaling it's time for women's equality and change. I believe it's time to give women the verbal agility to create more confident conversations. Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations is the book which provides practical approaches for women to ask for what we really want and receive our request. Hello, I'm Yvonne Silver, Certified Executive Coach and Senior HR Professional, seasoned in business. I teach women to flourish in business by using more confident language to help empower and engage others. This book is the result of over 35 years of my career, professional career, working in four different countries. I've interviewed over 6,000 people in my career for job interviews, executive coaching, for sales and consulting conversations. And I've listened to hundreds of women in particular who are looking for a better way to collaborate. They're looking to be uh, asking for what they really want and heard and validated, especially in business. And women often earn less than men for doing exactly the same job. It's 2018. It's time for change. The modern art of confident conversations explores words we use at home, at work. Words that trip us up, elevate us and encourage us. And when no words are even required. It is about how to leverage the power of words in a positive, in a collaborative and impactful way. Now I work with women entrepreneurs and leaders who are empowering other women and leading through mentorship programs and my coaching, public speaking, interviews and writing. I'm passionate about women's equality. Why? I grew up in England in a house with a flow of negative comments from my father which destroyed my mum's dignity until she became an empty shell of the vibrant woman she'd once been, belittled by constant criticism and questioning of her abilities. Through my own life journey and supporting hundreds of female clients, I've discovered critical words to ask to get what we really want collaboratively. I know there are critical links between our language, our behavior, our mindset and our success in life. Words from a song can replay in our head for hours and poetry can bring a lump in our throats. I've combined my insights with interviews from influential women, sharing their pearls of wisdom, supplemented with research and reference studies from established scholars. Women are rising up. It's time for women to be heard. Let's use more powerful, positive language and join the rising tide of change. This book is for you, a woman looking to the future ready to embrace significant positive changes in your life by using more confident language. Eliminate those words that drain your power, add words that energize and invigorate and shift from ordinary to extraordinary. Just one word can change your life. I believe every woman needs their own copy of this powerful book. It's time for action and time for change. 
Order and reserve your own copy of Words, Women and Wisdom today. 